Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Welcome to this week's episode of The Prestige, a podcast about film from a different perspective each week. And each week we look at a particular film and we talk about some of the themes and ideas that it throws up and we end with our recommendations for further watching based on that film. We are into our fourth season at the moment and we're focusing on genres and the genre of the moment is high school movies. And we've got about halfway, just over halfway through our high school movie season. So that's where we'll be for the rest of this week. Before then, though, we like to start each week by talking about what else we've been watching. So, Rob, what about you? I am in my mission to catch upon films from last year that I haven't seen. I recently caught up with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The ninth film, I think, is from Quentin Tarantino. Have you seen this, Sam? I have not. Should I do so? I think you should, personally. I I, uh, I was a big fan of this. Uh, this movie. This movie that I really, really enjoyed. I thought it was... Uh, it's very... I don't know what the word for it is. It's very meandering in many ways. In other films, of Quentin Tarantino's are very tight. They're very tightly wound in mm. many ways, particularly the early stuff with Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, and even something like Kill Bill, which is a large, expansive film, but it always has a very sort of action-driven through line. This is much more in the vein of The Hateful Eight, which gives the characters time to move around and be, and kind of give things a bit of room to breathe. I really liked it. I think that Brad Pitt is at maybe his one of his career bests, as is um sorry, as is Leo. He's brilliant in it. Great support from sort of the range, normal range of Quentin Tarantino's collaborators, but also Margot Robbie as uh as the Sharon Tate. I will say that if you haven't seen it and you're going to, it is worth spending a little bit of time reading up on the Manson murders because they do feature heavily in the movie and they do presume you know what they are. I think in it's one of those things with the American-centric audience, that is a huge cultural event that may not have crossed the pond as much. Mm. Um, so if you are going to watch out there, guys, it's a great film, to, even if you haven't, don't know that stuff, but I think you will get more out of it, kind of knowing even just the bare bones of what happened with the Manson family. It will inform a lot of what you get in the film. But I was a big, big fan of this. I love the look of the movie, the sort of the the meet on scene that he creates in terms of that seventies feel. It's it's almost like spot on the way the period pieces in it. Um, and for me, being a sort of a, obviously a fan of Hollywood, fan of movies, um, it's a movie about movies. It's a movie about making movies. And so it, it appealed to me in many dem- demographics. Well, what about you, Sam? Well, sometimes it feels like this part of the podcast is just me talking about things that you watched two months ago. Um, <laughs> uh, 
it's it's taken me a couple of months to watch something that you recommended back in last year, and it is the latest Star Trek series, Discovery. I was I've never been a huge Star Trek fan, and I've not. I mean, I, I watched the original series because it was on at tea time when I was small, but I've never really cared about any of the other series. And, I mean, I liked Star Wars. I wouldn't say I liked Star Wars more than Star I was never... There were certain people that were, oh, you've got to like Star Wars or Star Trek. And I'm like, I don't really care enough, to be honest. Mm. Um, so I've never really picked a side and I've never really spent much time watching Star Trek, but I was attracted to this from what you said about it and also some of the stuff that I read about it, it being sort of self-contained and not really, and it's, it's set 10 years before the original series, it's not, it doesn't really feel connected. And I enjoyed it, and um, I particularly enjoyed a character in it and it took me a while to work out that the reason I liked him was because I liked Jason Isaacs um, yeah it, it was really enjoyable and the lead actor is very good um, and it's a it's a series that takes rather a decided turn after what was presented as the pilot so it's two episodes, basically a pilot. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because it goes in a very different direction from what you'd expect mm. from even from a conventional sci-fi series. So, yes, I thought Sonequa Martin-Green was very good. Um, I didn't know anything about her before. Um, I have said I didn't know anything really about Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller's work before. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And... Like I said, I don't particularly have much invested in Star Trek generally, but I really enjoyed this as a sort of standalone series. I'm working my way through the first series now. I'm glad I've managed to turn you onto that. It's a it's a great series. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in about June. Uh, the strange thing is, I feel so far behind it myself, having uh, a little time since the movies these days. And if you're feeling behind me, it's just a. <laughs> damning state of affairs for a movie podcast mm. but it's a good thing that we dive into the archives rather than looking at new movies and as sam says we are currently working our way through a series on high school movies looking at from breakfast club kind of all the way up to now and this week we are looking at in many ways a a classic or the genre a very popular movie genre maybe more of a cult hit than, than a breakout movie, um, but certainly one that uh, has endured, and that is the 2014, sorry, the 2004 film Mean Girls. We have a new student with us. She just moved here from Africa. Welcome. I'm from Michigan. Great. I'm 16. Until today, I was homeschooled. And then it was goodbye, Africa. And hello, high school. Hi, I'm Katie. I'm Janice. This is Damien. Watch out! New meat coming through! This map shows the school's central nervous system, the cafeteria. You got your cool Asians, burnouts, jocks, the greatest people you will ever meet, and the worst. So you've never been to a real school before? Shut up. Shut up! I didn't say anything. Mean Girls tells the story of 
Katie Harron, who is a homeschooled girl raised in Africa by her zoological researcher parents and brought back to America at about, uh, I think, about 16, 16-ish. Um, she is uh, pitched at. It's very hard to judge in America in terms of school years, but that's what I think is. And it's about her, A, learning the ways of the American high school, particularly in relationship to what are called the plastics, which are a very a trio of very mainstream popular girls. And her attempts to initially subvert that, but in subverting it, kind of becoming it herself. It is a script from Tina Fey, um, who obviously is well known from Saturday Night Live, 30 Rock, and that kind of thing. And it's this script that I think has helped to endure. Sam, I'm going to presume you've seen this before this week. Um, how did you find it? Why do you presume wrongly this is something that passed me by? Wow. Um, yeah, well, it's 2004, so I was in university when I knew nothing about pop culture for three years. Um, yeah, it, it was it was enjoyable. Um, it was I, I wasn't I wasn't expecting to enjoy this cards on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew of it as a cult hit, and I knew of it because of the plastics and um, sort of wisecracking things about girls in high school. And I thought, well, this isn't for me. And I was surprised to find how much was for me in this film. Um, that sounds weird. Films aren't made for particular people, but you know what I mean. It, mm. I was surprised to see how much I got on board with this film, um, and yeah, I, I think it's not just a film about um, high school girls. It becomes like very quickly, like you say, um, Katie becomes something that she was parodying or something that she didn't want to turn into um, and I enjoyed that the way that she quickly becomes that um, and I also quite liked actually the way that um, she saw much of what you what you get in high school through the lens of her parents and in a very zoological way and it was like this is what animals would do in this situation until it became at the end of the film like these are girls behaving like animals Um, and I really enjoyed that I thought that was I thought this was to be honest I thought this was much cleverer than I gave it credit for and Lindsay Lohan whom I know as um, sort of I kind of thought of her as Paris Hilton, basically. Um, vapid, airheaded, and getting into trouble for various things and did things I didn't much care about. And I was completely wrong about her because she's utterly brilliant in this film. Mm. Really good. So, yes, I think, like you said, the script is something this is going to be remembered for. Um, Tina Fey's work on the script and she's not only given herself good lines, she's given lines to other people. 
Um, but some of the acting performances are very good, not only from Tina Fey and Lauren herself, but then like even someone like Rachel McAdams. Um, and then Amy Perler, who I thought was very funny as the um, trying-to-be-cool mum. Mm. Um, so, yes, in in summary, I really enjoyed this film. I'm so glad to hear that. I mean, I, I enjoy the film. I think it's a great film. I think you're you're right. The script is it's many of its strengths. Um, and it's an adaption of a non-fiction book, which I think helps give it some sort of semblance of cred um but i also think now lindsay lohan particularly is someone who in many ways post these movies could be- become more of a shall we say a, a socialite shall we say and more of that kind of party girl but in her early years this things like herbie fully loaded she was a very very good child and teen actress um and she has a real charm to her and a real sort of star quality and in many ways it's a very shame what happened to her and what she went through after this um and what she kind of ended up being and doing but i think you're right i think also the the depth of the acting talent on show i think i mean i I, I really like um tim meadows who plays the principal who is this strange mix of kind of like frustrated awkward toxic male with also being you know clearly from the south side and has a hardness to him um and then you know even great small turns like uh, neil flynn as katie's dad and um Dwayne hill as the coach who is caught having relationships with two of the kids um it's it's got a real depth in the bench of acting especially in the teachers and the adults and i think that it has it has a ring of truth in it and i think that's one thing we've looked at a lot as we've talked about these movies the idea of where these movies in terms of the truth of teenage years or at least the truth of memories of teenage years and it does have that element of the cool kids and not cool kids and all of that kind of thing that we went through i mean it was it doesn't amuse me great you see we've seen it so much these tropes the whole scene of here's the cafeteria here's where you sit it's something we've seen so much even in the very first movie of this series, the um, Breakfast Club, like it is about cliques, and this movie lives and dies by its cliques about you know being a plastic or being one of the Arctic goth kids or being a mathlete. And you know, spoiler alert, guys, it ends basically with the destruction of those cliques. The idea that that groups of friends exist certainly but the idea that a clique in that kind of you're in you're out you can't sit with us which is a sort of common phrase maybe, that gets destroyed and it takes this whole movie to do that and in many ways a lot of movies we watch are about a personal journey this is about personal journey. it's about kaylee kaylee kind of coming to terms with her place in this world and regina george coming to her place in the world but it's more kind of a weirdly the story of the culture and the society that's the arc we go through this movie is of this teenage culture that starts from a place and is taken to a different place in the bit. Something that I was thinking about towards the end when, um, yeah, Katie on, on the math challenge and then going to the sprinkling after that this, and, and just as those, you know, as those cliques break down, this is kind of a film about, understanding that there aren't any boundaries anymore and there's mm. something 
There's something particularly teenage about this idea of of cliques and separations between people and the realisation that Katie goes through through being with the mathletes and then owning up to something, being big enough to own up to something that wasn't her doing because she knows she was at fault. Mm. All of that is about like recognising that those boundaries aren't important anymore. And although there are, I mean, there are lots of films that we've looked at this season that are about sort of the existence of these cliques, this is very much a film about leaving leaving teenagehood behind because you realise that those cliques don't matter, those limits don't matter, those boundaries don't matter. And that's what Katie does. That's like the speech at the end is, I mean, it's empowering and um, strong and issues an excellent female role model. But as well as that, she's basically saying to them all, look, why, why fight? Why be like this? We mm-hmm. can grow up. We can move beyond what we were before. Yeah, I think that's uh, exactly the, 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 the message that they're bringing here. And I think the film particularly, it does it in such interesting ways that it is, it's a, in many ways an out-and-out comedy. And it has that really sort of Dawson's Creek-esque style of overly fancy dialogue from kids who clearly don't talk like that. Mm. Um, it's it's very much that kind of thing. And I think that it really works here because I think Tina Fey has that real knack for bringing warmth to that. Um, and the characters do feel fully realized and even in like some supporting characters like the um principal or like their, their their gay best friend um they are small parts that kind of often exist in orbit of the uh the main characters but they have a real kind of depth to them the most interesting i thought of this movie is that in many ways it is the love interests that are the least deep Mm. Um, very often in movies, there's what they call the, the, um, the lampshade test. If you can replace a female character in your movie with a lampshade, with a sexy leg, then it's a bad thing. And in many ways, this, like the the um, Aaron Samuels and um, Jason and Shane O'Man, these are the, the love interests of the movie, are bland and forgettable in many ways. They are, they are just completely sort of blank ciphers of characters. And it was really interesting to have that in a world where often the female love interest can be very, very forgettable and very, very just one-dimensional. Here, that's entirely reversed and these deep interplay of these characters' lives um, really kind of come to the fore mm. in the same way we did when we looked at the craft. It has that same kind of vibe of just like, it's all about these female friendships and these female interplays and the relationship between the two of them, uh, between the two of them and obviously the wider group. But the, the boys are very much blank ciphers. And I think that's, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a very interesting thing, a very interesting step to take with this movie to kind of flip that on its head. That could have been taken too far. And it's a credit to Tina Fey and to this film as a whole that, this doesn't become... I mean, that's not obvious. It's not an obviously female film where the 
boys are useless. It's mm. making a more subtle point than that. And when you have, um, towards the end, when you have like, all the do all the junior girls or the sophomore girls? There's junior girls in the gym. Yes. Um, that doesn't... It, it takes you a while to think, oh, they're all girls. Because initially it just feels like a, oh, yeah, just like everyone in the gym for a telling off. And then mm. you realise that actually it's, it's the female half of the year. But... Like I said, it's it's to the credit of the directing and the writing. You don't really, you don't feel like there's too much of that at mm. all. I think that in many sort of strange steps is that somehow the movie does sometimes feel like it's set in an all girls school. Mm. Like if yeah, it, 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 you could make that jump without too much work, and I see why they did the inclusion. But uh, you know, you could kind of remove most of the boy characters from it, and still have the same kind of movie, the same kind of sort of impact and I think that's a sort of really interesting sort of step to take um I yeah I, I'm, I'm I'm just really glad you got on board with it because I think it also has that step of I don't know like that line where teenage lingo is its own and there's a a movie called Brick that I really like it takes us to a hyper stylized point to where the language they actually have their own language and their own own real kind of like gangster slang because it's a mm. uh, movie. But here there is their own um, slang and it's the whole running joke of Gretchen trying to invent the word fetch and make that happen. And there's a like a, a brutal shutdown by Georgina of stop make stop it fetch is never going to happen. See, I really like that because that's like. It's a meta commentary on what's going on mm. because it's this idea that you 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 get a character from within a story commenting on the ridiculous nature of teenage vernacular, and I thought that that was really clever. And I think it is interesting. It's, it's kind of like I say it's that meta commentary because with all of this slang, is you you can't make it happen. You know, no one can, the, the very nature of slang, especially in like the closed knit kind of bottle community of a school, the slang comes organically. Mm. The running jokes, the inside jokes, the words that mean other things, they come organically by something happening. No one sits down, sits down and goes, you know what I'll do? I'll invent this word for this. You know, nicknames happen organically. They come from the community and from the person rather than something sort of chosen in that respect. And I think that's very interesting because these movies do. Like we've all seen these movies that try and be cool, you know, teen movies and try and set up this kind of sort of world. And here it's shut down so beautifully and so well by it's it don't happen. This is not a real world, but it has that rejection of a fake world. If that makes mm. sense. And I think this is why I... I mean, this film... God, this film is nearly 20 years old now. But this film is not going to feel dated in the way that other films, like you mm. said, films that try and, and locate it in a specific time with slang and certain conventions, for example, might date a bit. This doesn't date because it's it's intentionally pointing at that, saying, well, this is ridiculous. We know this is ridiculous. We mm. know they're existing in the bubble. So it seems to exist beyond that. It doesn't seem like it would date 
so much as other films would. No, I mean, it's, it's what, it's 16 years old now and it holds up very, very well. I mean, the main thing of he misses the internet and social media and that's the stuff that would make this a very different film these days. Um, but I don't think that happens anyway. No. Do you have any recommendations for us? Anything else to recommend, Sam? I do. Um, firstly is, well, I think, should give a shout out again to Tina Fey. Like you said, and as I've said, there is something, I mean, she, she, her script makes this film um, and her acting performance is very good as well. Um, and I want to talk about a TV series which now you've talked before about your sadness about certain TV series not being renewed um, and I can't understand why this wasn't renewed and it's not it's not not like a Firefly thing We this is a complete outrage it's just so well why, why did they bother not reviewing this? This was clever and funny and it can't have cost much to make. It was just like a little series. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It's like a little series. It's quite gentle. It's not, it's not pulling up trees. It's not amazing. But it just kind of felt like it was ticking along nicely and then they stopped making it. Mm. So I would urge everyone to go back and watch Unbreakable Game Street because there's a limited number of episodes of that, but it's very good. Um, it's also got Jane Krakowski, who's a very different sort of mother from Amy Perth. That's an interesting comparison. My second recommendation is for a film starring Rachel McAdams um, slightly later in her career. And this is a director who is rightly maligned for several other things. But I happen to think Guy Ritchie's first Sherlock Holmes film is particularly good. Um, there is some, dare I say, particularly clever uses of steampunk imagery in this film. Um, I've actually given a lecture about steampunk in... Um, film and graphic novels and the Guy Ritchie was a part of that and Guy film was a part of that um, I think visually this is a very impressive piece of work and I thought the sequel was quite fun as well. So yes those are my two recommendations this week Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and Sherlock Holmes. Brilliant, brilliant I have two recommendations as well um my first is a 2010 film uh, from director rodriguez and that is machete i'm sure i've recommended this film before i recommend it now because Lindsay lohan is in it this is probably post her fall from grace and as part of her kind of attempted revival into acting that didn't really take off i love this movie i'm a big fan of the exploitation genre and this is a great sort of American modern take on that genre. She pops up as the daughter of one of the bad guys whom she seduces as part of his uh, mission. She is a very small part, but she has she still has that same charm that she had in Mean Girls, and it's a brilliant film to recommend. My second recommendation 
comes via the director, Mark Waters. Now, I haven't mentioned this in the episode so far, but I have worked with Mark Waters. Um, he directed a movie called Vampire Academy in about 2014, which is a movie I worked on. It is one of my, the last movies I made before I left the film industry. Um, so I have met the man and we have worked with him. I did all, a lot of work for him on that movie. Um, I'm not going to recommend Vampire Academy. Anyone who's seen it will know why. But I am going to recommend a film that he produced back in 2008, 2009. And that is the film... Five, 500 Days of Summer. This is a, I wouldn't say romantic comedy, but maybe more of a romantic drama, starring Jason Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel. It is the tale of Jason Gordon-Levitt's character, um, Tom, falling in love with Summer, played by Zoe Deschanel. And it's about him falling in love with her, their relationship, their breakup, and the fallout of that. And... It's a very, very good film. The film that recommends multiple watching because the film does some very interesting things in kind of working to dis- disrupt, I suppose, and destroy some of the narrative around the leading man. Um, our leading man in this, Tom, played by Jason Goodlimit, isn't a nice guy. He isn't a good person to date. He is, in many ways, the architect of his own destruction. But because of the way he presented, because of the nature of these rom-coms, we are inherently decided to sort of root for him and, and, and sort of support him. And the film does some great work to kind of undercut that and force us to think about who we're supporting and why we're supporting them. And whether these traditional rom-com moves, shall we say, and sort of tropes and genres are a good thing or a bad thing. So yeah, go see it if you get a chance. And also it's got an amazing uh, musical segment in it. I'm a big fan of any movie that is a non-musical movie that has a random musical scene in it, and this has one of them, so I'm on board. So guys, that's our episode on Mean Girls. We'll be back in two weeks' time with our next episode, and we're jumping forward about three years, and we're picking up across the pond, back in Old Blighty, with the film St. Trillions. Till then, you can find both of us online at Prestige Podcast. You can find just me at life underscore academic. And you can find just me at Kaiju FM. And we'll be back here in two weeks, guys. Kaiju FM. Come find your niche.